0: You've heard me say before that if two different people give two different answers to the same question, then one or both of them is wrong, and I typically illustrate that with the subject of baptism. If you were to ask someone, do you have to be baptized to be saved, and one says yes and the other says no, it's a Bible question. One says yes, one says no, then somebody's wrong. There is a sense in which it is not true that different answers to the same question can all be true. Let me illustrate. Man's walking down the city streets of Coleman, comes upon another man and asks him, "How far is it from here to the post office?" And the man says, "It's three blocks." So he walks a block, asks another man the same question, how far is it from here to the post office? And the second man says, it's two blocks. He walks another block, and he asks a third man the same question, how far is it from here to the post office? And the third man says, it's one block. So he walks a block, and he arrives at the post office. Well, he asked three different men the same question. They all gave a different answer, but they all were speaking the truth, weren't they? The difference was where he was at when he asked the question. We're going to ask the question this morning, what must I do to be saved? And we're going to see that the truth is the truth. But we're going to look at three different examples of conversion and notice that the answer given by the inspired speakers differed from person to person. Now, don't think I'm a heretic. Stay with me, and I think you'll agree that this is the truth. It all depends on where they're at when they ask the question. But I want to begin by saying that everybody should ask this question. There are no exemptions when it comes to standing before the judgment seat, not set, standing before the judgment seat of God. The Bible says, if you believe the Bible, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. The Bible also says that each one of us will give an account of himself to God. So there will be no exemptions on the day of judgment. We will all stand before that judgment seat. We will all be judged, and we'll either be saved or we'll be lost. So the question, what must I do to be saved, is one of great significance. Let's go to Acts chapter 16 first, and let's look at a case of conversion. It's the case of the Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas had traveled to Philippi, and they preached the gospel... They looked for a synagogue, Synagogue did not find one, but they found a place of prayer by the river. So they went there. They found a, a woman by the name of Lydia. They preached to her. God opened her heart to the truth. She responded. She became a Christian. It happens after that that Paul drives a demon out of a slave girl. Well, the men who owned the slave girl were making a considerable amount of money on her ability and as a result of this they cause a riot stir the people up against Paul and Silas and Paul and Silas find themselves in prison. You're familiar with that story and how that about midnight Paul and Silas were praying, they're singing hymns of praise to God, the prisoners are listening and all of a sudden there's a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison are shaken and all the doors are open and everyone's chains are unfastened the jailer Awaits the Philippian jailer. He sees the prison doors open. He draws his sword and he's about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Now he's about, to ki- he's about to commit suicide. Is this a candidate for the gospel, by the way? He's about to commit suicide because he's going to be killed anyway when it's found out that all the prisoners have escaped. But Paul, verse 28, cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. So he called for lights. He rushed in, that is, the jailer. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now he wasn't concerned about being saved from the penalty of prisoners escaped because that didn't happen. There had been communication from Paul and Silas or perhaps he had heard the message that they had been preaching and now he wants to know where he's at what must I do to be saved they said believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household so where he was at what he needed to hear what he needed to do was believe in Jesus. And that's consistent with what we read throughout the New Testament about this matter of salvation. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 24, I say to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. In Hebrews chapter 4, we see another element that comes into play in this matter of faith that is very important in illustrating the rest that remains for those who would be children of God and using the example of the Israelites in the Old Testament, the author of the book of Hebrews states in chapter 4 and verse 2, For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. And the expression of disbelief in their lives was disobedience. Well, when Paul responded to the jailer's question, that question being, what must I do to be saved? And when Paul responded and said, you must believe, it didn't end there. He had to believe. Had he chosen not to believe, then the good news would not have been united with faith so as to result in his salvation. So we go back to the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, and we read the rest of the story. In verse 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And it took them that very... Hour of the night, and he washed their wounds, that is, the jailer washed the wounds of Paul and Silas, and immediately he, that is, the jailer, was baptized, he and all his household. So obviously, speaking the word of the Lord included teaching about baptism. And then verse 34, He brought them into his house, and he set food before them, and he rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. There was a change in his life. The second case of conversion, the Jews at Pentecost. And we read about this in the second chapter of the book of Acts when on that particular annual Jewish feast there were many gathered in the city of Jerusalem. And we read that Peter preached the gospel to them and then in verse 37 they asked the question, what shall we do? That's the same question. That's the same question. Peter said, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Is that the same answer? Paul said, believe. Believe. Peter said, repent and each of you be baptized. Two different answers to the same question. But they were both speaking the truth. It just depended on where the person was at. The jailer needed to believe. The Jews on the day of Pentecost, they had just heard the message. They they had heard Peter speak of the miracles and the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. So they believed. They needed to do something else. And so the answer that was given by Peter differed from the answer that was given by Paul because of where they were at, but Peter's answer was consistent. What is written with what is written elsewhere in the Scriptures. For example, the the uh, companion volume to the Book of Acts is the Book of Luke, because Luke wrote both of them. Luke ends with Jesus having been raised from the dead, and then flows right into the Book of Acts. But in Luke chapter 24, when Jesus, after his resurrection, was speaking to the the disciples, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance, what did Peter say? Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And that's where they were at in the second chapter of the book of Acts. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 5, Jesus said, Unless you repent, you will all die in your sins. Remember, Jesus said, Unless you believe, you will die in your sins. Jesus also said, Unless you repent you will die in your sins. If you believe in Jesus, then you can check that one off. But if you haven't repented, then there is something else that must be done in order to be saved. In Mark chapter 16, when Jesus gave the great commission to the apostles, we read of that commission in Mark chapter 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel. He who has believed and has been baptized. What else did Peter say? To the Jews at Pentecost. You must repent and you must be baptized. Jesus told the apostles to go and to preach and he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. So you have to believe if you want to be saved. You have to repent if you want to be saved and then you have to be baptized if you want to be saved. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, reading further, we notice again their faith. Peter didn't say believe. He explained how Jesus was the Messiah. And then he said in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain... What does that sound like? That sounds like belief, doesn't it? Know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Why were they pierced to the heart? It's Because they believed. You see, the, the, the jailer needed to hear about Christ, and he needed to believe. They were already there. The jailer was three blocks away. The Jews at Pentecost were two blocks away. So they needed to hear what Peter said to them, and as you read further, you see that they did it. With many other uh, words, verse 40, He solemnly testified and he kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received His word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. But there's a third case of conversion that comes into play here, and that's the apostle Paul. We read about Paul first on his way to Damascus and his conversion experience in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. And you'll notice after Jesus appeared to him and asked the question, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. Now this is an interesting point here. Did Jesus know what he needed to do to be saved? He did know what he needed to do to be saved. But Jesus didn't tell. Him. He said, You will be told what you must do. You see, God has chosen that the gospel be preached through human agents the apostles, the disciples, and those who would believe in Jesus through the preaching and the teaching of the apostles and the disciples. Now later in the book of Acts in the 22nd chapter Paul in making his defense before the Jews related his conversion experience and he told them in presenting his defense what he did to become a Christian. And you'll notice in verse 10 of Acts the 22nd chapter in relating The experience, you see the question again in verse 10 of Acts chapter 22. I said, what shall I do, Lord? The Lord said to me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. You drop down to verse 12. There was a man by the name of Ananias. He was devout by the standard of the law. He was well spoken of by all the Jews. And he came to me, and standing near to me, he said, Brother Saul, they were both Jews. Receive your sight. Paul was blinded by the light. And at that very time, I looked up at him. He, he, he regained his sight. And he said, That is, Ananias, the God of our fathers, has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? At this point, Paul believed. He saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. Not on the way to the post office, but on the way to Damascus. He saw Jesus. Jesus said, you're persecuting me. He had three days to think about it. He thought about everything that he knew from the Old Testament scriptures. He thought about everything that he had ever been taught as a Jew, and he connected the dots. And he came to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And he repented of his sins. He was sorrowful. You see, Paul had consented to the the, the stoning and the death of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. He was putting Christians in prison. Christians were dying because of Paul. If he believed that Jesus was the Son of God, he repented of those sins, there was something left for him to do. Why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. Ananias didn't say believe. Ananias didn't say repent. He said be baptized. Now when you put all these stories together and there are another examples, you see a consistent plan or series of steps that are necessary. But this last one is the one that seems to be (coughs) for so many the roadblock road to conversion, that is baptism. Well, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, look at this water. Well, you can't see it, it's under here. Look, look at the water under there. How can water wash away sin? It's not water. Remember our first lesson? God's power, God's wisdom. Remember the walls of Jericho falling down? Remember looking to the fiery serpent? Remember the healing of the man born blind? It doesn't have to make sense. There may be no logical connection between baptism and the forgiveness of sins. Now, it's in the Scriptures. But human logic is not going to figure that one out. Science is not going to explain it. It's an act of faith. It's trusting in and believing all that the Bible says. In Galatians 3, verse 27, this man who was told by Ananias to be baptized and was baptized, wrote, For all of you who were baptized into Christ. You see, you can't get into Christ without being baptized. And that's consistent with Matthew 28 and verse 19, the Great Commission, where Jesus said to go into all the world to preach the gospel and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Peter also wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3.21 the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. Well, if you believe, and if you have experienced a change of heart that leads to a change of action, that is, you've repented, if you're willing to confess that faith, that belief, and that's the example given by the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, then all you need to do is be baptized. You've taken every step. You're only a block away. You just need to travel that last block. You need to take that last step and be baptized to have your sins forgiven. And you need to do that. You don't need to delay. There's no case of delay in the New Testament. They never just bunched them up and waited two or three months and then baptized them all at once. They all did it immediately. Why did they? Because they didn't know when they were going to die. And they understood that we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And that we will all give an account of ourselves to God. Are you going to say to God on the day of judgment? Well, it just didn't make sense. Science didn't explain it. Logic didn't explain it. So I just wasn't willing to do it. Well, I'm the potter, you're the clay. You do what I commend you and then you'll be saved. If you're here today and you've never obeyed the gospel, you know now what you need to do. Please come as we stand and say.